So uh, my dad bought me a tomahawk when I was uh, about 14 or 15 years old, and I'd like to do a quick demonstration for you guys. Um, Okay, by standing up, how many of you believe that from right here, I can hit the X on the board very first shot? If you believe I can do that, please stand up. First shot, one try, hit the X. If you believe I can do that, please stand up. Okay. Real quick, um, normally I do a build-up process, but I only want to do one throw right now. Um, So if you believe I can hit that balloon when I put it up there and pop the balloon first shot, stay standing. Okay. All right. um, So actually, um, I need a volunteer. I need someone to hold the balloon. I'm serious. I need someone to hold the balloon in their mouth um, right there, and I'm going to throw it, and I will not hit you. If you believe that I can throw it and, uh, and you put this in your mouth, sitting right there, and you can, and, and I'm going to throw it, and you're not going to get hit, and I'm going to pop the balloon. Please remain standing. All the teens are standing. Um, there is a chasm of a difference between believing that someone can do something and actually trusting them to be able to do it with you on the line. So today, we're talking about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We're in a series um, in Proverbs, and I want to talk to you today about trusting in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I got to be honest. Christians aren't supposed to ask these kind of questions, but I ask these quite often to myself. Is this the life is this, is this really it? Have you ever asked yourself, like, early in the morning before you get up, before, you, before your brain gets going, like, is this really it? Is this what I signed up for as a Christian? Like, I, I come to church, and I, and I go to discovery group, and I do everything I'm supposed to, but, I mean, Jesus talked about, like, John 10.10, 10, uh, for the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come that you may have life and have it above and beyond. I mean, when Jesus talks about the life that, that he calls us to, he calls, calls us to something extravagant. Is, is this it? I feel like a lot of times, a lot of Christians can depict their life as an old iron bed. You know those steel beds in your grandparents' attics or basement? I mean, on one end, you, you definitely know you got saved. Like, I can point to the time and the place where God saved me. I was different, God came, and I was changed. Like, I, I am so for sure on that. And on the other side... I know I'm going to heaven. God has given me the Holy Spirit as a seal and a deposit, guaranteeing my salvation. But in the middle, in those little wires, it just sags. Sometimes we just stay there and we sag in behavioral modification. We come to church on Sunday and Pastor John gives this amazing message on love. And so we're like, all right, I need to be more loving this week. I need to be more loving. Okay, got to be loving the wife and the kids. And, and then you go to discovery group and the discovery group, the discovery group leader puts a spin on it. Love is patient. Okay, okay, i got to be more loving, i got to be more patient, got to be more patient. And you, you, you try all week long, it's almost as if the Christian life is trying to be something you're not. Is, is that really what God has called us to? I believe there is a life that Jesus has called us to. I believe that life is found in Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. 
No man comes to the Father except through me. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a branch remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, he can do nothing. See, oftentimes as Christians, we sit here and focus on the fruit. I need to be and I need to be and I need to do and I need to go do this. And I need, and really, what we need to do is turn our focus on Jesus and just grab hold of him and just pursue him and trust him and believe in him and trust in the Lord. And all of a sudden, we're going to see what comes out of us is love and patience. And as we focus on Jesus and as we pursue him, all of a sudden, man, I was really loving there. I mean, I wasn't even trying. Man, Jesus. The life is not found in us doing more. The life is found in trusting the Lord, trusting in him and allowing him to live his life in you, through you, and as you. You are the fragrance of Christ. Davis will see no better picture of Christ than you. I mean, you have the ministry of reconciliation. God has given you the fullness of the deity of God inside of you. Colossians 2.6. He has clothed you with righteousness. He has done all these things to set you out. And to, and to proclaim God's goodness to, to the people, that people would know Christ because of your life. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You are the closest thing Davis will ever see to Christ. And us together working as the body is the best thing that we can do to depict Jesus Christ and Davis. But it starts with trusting in the Lord. Not believing that he is Lord, but actually trusting that he's Lord. There's a big difference. I feel like as we get into Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I believe we got to start at trust. Because I think our version of trust and God's version of trust might be a little different. Have you guys ever been to a, a, um, a fairground or a circus where they have the little pony rides? I think sometimes that's how we, we want to trust Jesus. If Jesus were the horse, and we go, okay, Jesus, we'll trust you, but I want some good little step stools to get up there so I can safely get on you. And then as I do, I want a good saddle, good reins. I want to I have someone lead me because I'm no scholar. I don't know the Bible inside and out. So Pastor John, I need a leader to lead me in this. He needs to have control of that horse, you know? And, and then also, I want to gate around it, because God, I'm not going overseas, and God, I'm not going to do this, and you want me to, no, we've got to have a gate around Jesus and, and trusting him. And then we really prefer if he's on one of them carousels, and we can just <laughs> ride around. And the sad part is, we get excited, we're proud of this. I mean, we walk away, guys, I trusted Jesus, I got to that place, and I got a parking spot right in the front, totally trusted him on it. Guys... That's not what Jesus is talking about when he talks about trust. It's not. When I was about 12 or 13 years old, uh, we'd go to this camp up in Maine every year. And at the end of the week, uh, they would take all the leaders, and it's simply because my dad was a leader, uh, and they would let us take a horseback ride with them. And it would be a, about a two-mile trail ride through the woods, uh, really dense woods, and uh, we'd get out to this opening. Oh my goodness, it was gorgeous. These big rolling hills on the side of this mountain, and right down below was this lake that you could see off in the distance, and they just let us run them. I mean, we'd, we'd line up all 30 of us at the same time, and someone would go, and we'd take off. It was just an absolute blast. Well, one year, uh, there was uh, one or two people that didn't come back. I'll never forget this night. They were gone a while. Um, they didn't come back, and, um, and so it ended up getting dark. 
There was no moon out. Stars were just lit up the sky. There's no moon out. And so we're all waiting at the corner of this trail, ready to take that two-mile hike back. And, uh, and finally they come back. So the leader, before leading us away, he says, hey, you guys want to do my favorite thing of all? Of course, all of us, you know, yeah. And he said, do you trust your horses? Of course, all of us, yeah. He said, all right, guys, take your reins, lay them on the, next ho- on the horse's neck. Hang on to the horn. You ready? And he took off. I'm telling you, I can barely see him sitting here like this out uh, under the stars. And all of a sudden, he just takes these horses, one right after the other, just take off going through these woods. And I'm not talking a canter or gallop. I'm talking a full out run. I mean, we are flying. My hands were just white knuckled around that horn hanging on for dear life. I mean, you'd hear people in the front yell, branch. And you go, branch, whack. And all of a sudden you'd hear, turn, and you'd hang on real tight. And these horses, I mean, they didn't slow down for the turn. They just took it. I, it wasn't, I want to tell you that I couldn't see the hand in front of my face. But to be honest, I didn't let go of the horn to ever be able to tell you that. I, I was hanging on. When Jesus talks about trust, he talks about a, something like that. He doesn't talk about it with you having the reins and you having the control and you having the gate and someone to guide you and tell you where to go. No, he says, trust in me. Man comes to Jesus and said, hey, I want to trust in you. I want to follow you, but let me bury my dead. Let the dead bury the dead. Follow me or don't follow me. Another person, I want to trust in you, but Jesus never, ever took a single excuse. He said, follow me or don't follow me. I'm going. The fox is a hole. The bird is a nest. Jesus has no place to lay his head. Follow me or don't follow me. See, oftentimes we want a little bit of security when we follow Jesus. All right, God. If you make a way, I'll move here. If you set up the job and the place and the this, that, and the other, I'll know it's your will. No, you're going to know you don't have to trust him because he will have done everything. When we trust Jesus, he talks about trust as let go. I'm God. You're not. Trust in me with all of your heart and lean not on your own understandings. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I want to talk about trust in three things today. I want to talk about trust personally. I want to talk about trust with your families. And I want to talk about trust uh, in your mission. First off, personally, you don't get this one right. The rest are a shot. You have got to trust God personally. And it starts with, what, what do you know God wants you to do already? I mean, we know we want, he wants to seek us. He wants us to seek him. Do we do it? We know he wants us to, to pursue him, to live in relationship with him. Is that where we live? I mean, guys, when we have problems, when we have struggles, do we go to him? Do we say, God, I'm going to trust in you? Do we let, or we rely on our own strength? What happens when we come home from work and we're exhausted? One of those days, just miserable. And you come home and you know your wife's going to be there. Kids, I just need 10 minutes. I need 10, 15 minutes. Let me get one show in or just, just give me some space. Or what about wives? When your husband comes home and you have one of those days with the kids and the kids are just screaming and you just, wanna get, you just need to take the kids. I need to go take a jog. I need something. I need to get out of the house. Give me 20 minutes. You have a legitimate need. You have a legitimate issue. You're exhausted. You're drained. You've had a tough day. Are you going to then decide how to fix that on your own, or are you going to trust in the Lord? Because if you trust in the Lord, he may bring you to Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I mean, that is so much better than any TV show or any rest that you can come up with. That is amazing. God promises a peace that surpasses all understanding. He promises hope for our heart, joy for our lives. I mean, that's what he has for us every day. Hebrews 4 talks about this rest that he talks about is not for Sabbath day. It's not for some promised land. It is for today in relationship with him. And so when you're tired, when you're stressed, when you're, you got issues, are you going to go to him and say, God, I want to trust in you. I'm, I'm depleted. I'm exhausted. I need, I need to be refilled. I can't be what my family needs me to be. Or are you going to solve it on yourself? We got to trust him in our personal lives. We have to trust the Lord. We got to trust the Lord today in our families. Guys, when it comes to family, it can look more selfless to not trust and to be the person to do everything. But it's still the Lord. The Lord is in charge of the safety of your children. The Lord is in charge of, of everything that's, he is, he's sovereign. What happens when you're doing your bills and, and the money's not matching up? Here's the income, here's the bills, and, it, and your kid comes to you and, hey, I want to play this new sport. How much is it? it it's how much? And you're looking at the bills, you can't even, oh, okay, so I'm, I'm going to pick up two extra shifts here and I'm going to move this, I'll pay this off next month and we can make it happen. Are you going to do it in your own understanding? Or are you going to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You say, God, he wants to play this new sport and I don't even know how, you, how I'm supposed to make these finances work. What, what do you want from me? What do you want? Do you want me to pick up shifts? Do you want me to move stuff around? What, what do you desire from me? And sometimes God is really clear. God tells you and you know it's from God and, and go do it. Other times it's not clear. You ask and you're left with the same empty head with the same questions that you, you asked before. You may even wonder if God's listening. But here's the thing. God is listening. 1 Corinthians 2 talks about that you have the mind of Christ. For who knows the thoughts and the deep things of, the God, of God? Only the Spirit of God. And God has given you the Spirit of God and you have the mind of Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith. I mean, it is all about Jesus in you. So when you come to this decision, you say, God, I want your will. And if you don't hear something very clear from God, then so long as you have an open hand desiring to do God's will, then you move forward trusting that he is doing it through you. Then you say, okay, God, anytime you can stop me, but I believe, unless you say something different, that this is what you want for my life, and I'm going to move forward. But if you close the door, if you stop me, I'm going to be sensitive to that. I want to hear from you. I want to know what your will is for my life today, for my family. Do we trust in him with all our heart? Do we lean on our own understandings? Or do we acknowledge him for him to make our path straight? Lastly, I want to talk about our mission. And sometimes we as Christians, we skip over this one. Let me be clear. Your family is your first mission, but it is not your only mission. If you have a job, you have a mission. If you have neighbors and friends who aren't saved, you have a mission. There has never been a single Christian in the history of mankind that was saved that wasn't sent by God. If God saves you and gives you the Holy Spirit, he doesn't give it just for you to just live out your lives in mediocrity and, and behavioral modification until you get to heaven. He gives it to you so that you can be used by him in this generation, in this city. He wants to use you. 
If you're here today and you go, I don't even know what a mission is. I don't know what it looks like. Are you a part of this body? Do you call this your home church? Because then you have a mission. It's to meet people where they're at and to lead them to be disciples of Jesus Christ and make disciples. You have a vision. It's to reach this city to impact this world. Guys, if you don't know where to get started with that, come to Paul today. Come to the elders today. Go to the discovery group leaders today. Say, God has, God has called me, he, but I don't know my mission. Where is it? How can I help? How can I dig in? Because you are a part of the body of Christ. And without you, we have a piece missing. Because God has made us perfect in his image together when we live in harmony together. When we move as one together for his glory. God has given you a mission. Beyond that, if you're already doing those things, if you see something in the world that breaks your heart that also breaks God, breaks God's heart, and you have a passion, a skill, a desire, those two will match up as your personal unique mission. Let's say, let's say uh, little kids going to school without bags or little things. You see a kid as you drop off your kids and you see him got no backpack, no whatever. You can obviously see comfort. That breaks your heart and, and you enjoy being hospitable. That is your mission. When you hear that little voice say, I should put a backpack on his back. And then immediately you give it all these reasons. Oh, I don't have, I don't, I don't know the mom. I'm going to offend someone. I can't. That is you squelching the spirit. When you see a jogger and you go, I love jogging. I wonder if he's saved. There are so many jogging groups in Davis. There are so many biking groups. If your passion is biking, well, then join a Davis non-Christian biking group and be a difference. Show them what it looks like when Christ bikes with them. I'm, I'm so serious. You are the hands and feet of Christ. You are the aroma of Christ. When, when you walk by, do people go, man, something's different. What do you love doing? God has given you that passion. That is not your passion separate from God. No, God gave you that passion and that desire to use for his kingdom. And there's a person out there with a broken heart who has your passion and your desire. Who would love to talk about it with you? I mean, if I go into a car shop, no one's going to talk to me. I don't know the first thing of what I'm talking about. But if you know cars, my father-in-law goes from one car show to the next. And he knows cars, so he just has fun and has a blast. He goes to everything he loves. But then while he's doing it, everyone knows he's different. He's dropping yeah, Jesus here and Jesus there. And, oh, did God give you that? Oh, God, like, and everyone knows it's different. Everyone can smell the fragrance of Christ, know something's different, build a relationship. God has given you guys a mission. And if you right now don't have a mission, I am so sorry for you. My heart breaks for you. You want to live the life? It's living in the presence of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ spends a lot more time out with the lost than he does inside a church. What about discovery groups? What about when someone says, hey, I'm stepping down as discovery groups and someone else is going to need to take it. And inside of you there's this little voice, real quiet, real subtle, says, you should take it. And then immediately, no, I can't take it. I got this, I got this, I got this. I got this. That's the Holy Spirit. And if you're not trusting in the Holy Spirit, then you're living outside of relationship with him. If you're living outside of relationship with him, then you're living in behavioral modification and it just stinks and hopefully, I mean, heaven will be better. But guys, don't waste this. Don't waste this. We have today. We have today and only today. And the Holy Spirit lays something on your heart. Make a difference today. Do it today. If God says give up your lunch today, give it up. What are you hanging on for? 
What are you trusting God in the carousel for? No, let go of the reins. It'll be the greatest adventure of your life. As a little tidbit, if you're trusting God, you should also be very afraid. If you're not afraid, it's probably not the kind of trust that God talks about. I am terrified right now. I am a pastor's kid, and there's one thing I've said my entire life, I will never be a preacher. I don't want it. I don't want it. I know what comes beforehand. I know the spiritual warfare that me and my wife have been fighting all week for no reason over the stupidest stuff other than Satan wants to get at me. I know the, 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 the afterwards, I know the pride in my heart of, I'm going to be awesome. This is going to be great. I, I know, I, there's so many things I know. I've watched my dad live it. Anyone ask me, hey, you going to be a preacher one day? No. Hey, youth pastor now, preacher later? No, it is not a stepping stone. I love youth. I only want youth. I don't want to be here. I am terrified. But I got to tell you, before in worship and right now, I know God's here. I feel very close to the Lord right now. Because I'm scared, I'm having to trust in him. I don't think about God and think about trusting God walking down the street. But you put me 40 feet on a ladder, all of a sudden I start praying a lot. Guys, guys, trust in him. The life that God has given you, the life that you want to live, the greatest adventure man has ever come up with, the most sacred romance is you at the center of this, this great romance of God between you, this great adventure of God's life that he has that he wants you to live. Guys, Live it. Don't settle for anything but trusting God in whatever he calls. As God gives the law to the Israelites, he also says this thing in Deuteronomy eleven twenty six, 26. And I don't think we, we think about this often. When we preach, we talk about the greatness that God has for us or the good things or being loving or being paid. Sometimes we don't say both ends. Deuteronomy eleven twenty six twenty eight 26, 28 says, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. The curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord that I am giving you today and turn from the way I have commanded you. See, every day you get a blessing or a curse. When you receive those bills that were unexpected, if you trust in God and say, God, you knew this bill was coming, you own the cattle on a thousand hills, you have everything under control, you will receive the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. With you clinging to Jesus and his life flowing through you, things seem to be a lot smaller. Issues seem to get at you a whole lot less. But if instead you go, how am I going to do this? How am I, I'm going to have to pick up an extra shift. I don't even know where the bills are coming from. I, I, I mean, ah, oh, goodness. If you don't turn to the Lord, then you get anxiousness. It's not that God is punishing you with something. It's that you decided to live outside a relationship with God. And that's what's there. Guys. You have a blessing and a curse every day on whether you're going to trust in the Lord every minute or not. There's a guy in the Bible, we all know, Samson. Um, God gave him incredible strength. He gave him incredible strength because the Philistines were over the Israelites for over 40 years. And God said, I'm going to initiate the freedom of you guys from the Philistines with Samson. and give him this incredible strength. But Samson didn't trust God. Samson, for starters, was told as a Nazarite to do a couple things. Never cut your hair, never touch anything dead, never eat anything unclean, never drink wine. And also an Israelite thing was to never date someone who wasn't a Jewish girl. So, so, um, so Samson going out one day, a lion attacks him, he rips it apart with God's strength and throws it aside. A couple days later, he's walking down the same place, he sees that lion and some bees have gotten inside of it and made a hive out of him. And so he's hungry. He scoops out some bee, uh, some honey. He has now touched something unclean, and he has uh, also eaten something unclean. Two of the things God said. Didn't trust God. 
He just, I see honey, I want honey. Later on, um, later on he sees this beautiful Philistine woman and he goes, parents, I want that woman. And they go, don't, don't you want a Jewish woman? God says Jewish only. And he says, I want that woman. Turns out that that woman ends up, he ended up killing 30 people over, getting really angry. And the father-in-law gave that woman to one of his good friends, one of his uh, uh, best men or whatever. One of his best men during the wedding. So he lost his wife. He didn't trust God personally. He didn't trust God in his family. And then in his mission. His mission was to set the Israelites free. His mission was to initiate the taken out of the Philistines. And instead of doing that, he tells Delilah his, his secret to his strength. And we all know what Delilah does. Delilah cuts his hair off. And one of the saddest, most depressing, heart-wrenching verses of all scripture that I believe, after cutting his hair off, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. He had no idea that the Lord had left him. Now we live in a different time uh, in God's sovereignty and so I don't believe the Holy Spirit can leave you once saved, always saved. But I do believe that you can come to the end of your life and stand before Jesus and find out that you have wasted your life. When you look back and see what your life really was, a horse on a carousel ride, and realize the great adventure that he had for you. I believe we can look back and just be heartbroken knowing that we didn't trust him. Guys, if we don't trust in the Lord, we aren't being what we were created to be. And therefore, we'll always feel this nagging question, is this really it? I'll close with this. There's three builders, three masons working on a, uh, a project together. And there's a guy who comes up to him, goes to the first one, says, what you doing? Just laying one brick on top of the other. He goes to the second guy, what are you doing? He goes, I'm building a wall. Goes to the third guy, what are you doing? I am creating a cathedral. This morning, if I were to ask you guys, what are you doing? I think some here would say, going to church. I think others would say, I'm getting fed. I'm building community. But are there others? Are there some that would say that I am trusting the Lord, that he has called me to be the body of Christ in Davis? Are there some that would say I am here to get hand in hand for such a time as this because God has called me to stand next to Pastor John and the elders and the staff and be the hands and feet of Christ in Davis? Are there some that would do more than just come to church, do more than just be fed, but that would, would shoulder up with us and be the hands of Christ, be the fragrance of Christ, that your heart would break for Davis? Davis does not have it all together. Davis is not perfect and wonderful. They look it, but on the inside, in their hearts, at home, they got to have a drink to get through the day. They got to they gotta do just the same things that other lost people do. They, they're broken, they're hopeless, they're hurting, and we have Christ. Let your heart break for what breaks God's heart and go out there and be the body of Christ. If you don't know what that looks like, get with Paul today. If you know that God wants you to do something and it's been nagging out you, get with Paul today.
I mean, Channy, I am so proud of Channy. Channy was the leader of the, the children's ministry back here. was doing phenomenal. And she said, God's got something in my heart. He wants me to do women's ministry. And the whole rest of the staff said, no, that's not what God wants for you. I, I promise. And she said, no. I, I know in my heart. I've prayed about it. I sought God. I, I've sought my husband. I, I know God wants me to do this. And I got to trust him. Here's my end date. Oh, guys, she was right. She did phenomenal back there. And now she's doing phenomenal in the women's ministry. And God raised up Robin to, to come in. And she is doing phenomenal back there. We didn't know it. We couldn't see what God was going to do. But she trusted in the Lord. And therefore, she is being what God has created her to be. Now Robin gets a chance to be what God has created her to be. And we are growing in our faith because of it. If today, if you're a discovery group leader and God's calling you somewhere else, what are you doing still being a discovery group leader? If God's got something else for you, go to Paul today. Say, I'm sorry, Paul. I know God's given me this passion for this over here, and I don't know who's going to take over my group. I can't see it, but i got to trust God. God said, I'm going to go. If today, if you're not a discovery group leader, and God tells you, or if you want to start a ministry, maybe God's impassioned you for something, do it. Trust God. Tell us. We'll get behind you. We want to see Davis reach for the kingdom of God more than anything else. And so if you've got a passion, if you've got a way, if God's slain on your heart, we want to back you up. We want to go at it with you. We're ready. But we're waiting for men and women to stand up and say, I want to trust the Lord. Not to say, I believe that Jesus is Lord and live out a life of mediocrity, but to foot put your face up against that board with a balloon in your mouth and say, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord with my life. I'm going to remove the gates. I'm going to move the carousel. I'm not going to have Pastor John lead the way. I am going to get on that horse and throw away the reins. God, take me where you want me to go. Guys, a life outside of trusting with the Lord just stinks. But a life trusting in the Lord is terrifying. It'll have you on the edge of your seat, and it'll be the greatest adventure, the most sacred romance you could ever imagine. The life is found at the edge of terrified, I'm trusting you. God, you said it, I'm going. I don't see how it's going to work out, but I'm going to do it. Today is the day. Now is the time. God's eyes are looking to and fro across the land to see a man that would stand in the gap. Do not take communion today if you know that Jesus wants you to do something and you're saying no to it. Do not go outside these walls today. If God knows, if you know God wants you to do something and you're not doing it, do not step outside these walls today. But I got a lot of conversation to have with my wife. Good, sit in the chairs. We'll wait. God tells you to do something, do it. Today, let's pursue God with all our heart and let's trust in the Lord with everything we have. Lord, I am so grateful for who you are. I am so grateful at the edge of, of my very terrifying experience that you are God. I pray, Lord, that you would just move in their hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would just absolutely shut up Satan right now. You get them out of their minds, that they would listen clearly to what you have for them, and they would trust in you and begin to walk in that. I praise you for you who are. I'm so grateful for the rest that I got to experience today and right now. I love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Every week we forget.
just like Jeremy said. And every week uh, we come together as a church to remember. We come to remember how amazing Jesus is. We come to remember what he's done for us. And one of the ways that we remember is by celebrating communion. Before he died, Jesus took uh, bread. He took uh, wine. He held it up and he said, um, this bread represents my body broken for you. And this wine represents my blood poured out for you. Take it in remembrance of me. So this week we invite you to come down to take communion, to take the bread and to say, Jesus, I, I, I trust you. I trust you because you gave everything for me. I trust you because your body was broken for me. I trust you because your blood was shed for me so that I could have new life, so that I could get over and through and into trust, into the new life that Jeremy described. So we're not, we're not taking it just in mourning, but we're taking it in celebration. We're saying, God, before I couldn't let my hands off the reins, but now because of what you've done, I can. So I invite you to come uh, to take the bread dip it in the juice. If you're new to discovery, you're not Christian, you have questions, you want answers to those, I invite you to come up to the corner. Elders, the people uh, in the prayer team will be there ready to talk to you about that.